Hey, welcome back to Boston Radio. I'm Paul Hansen. This is the second segment of the 25th edition. And underneath me, we're listening to something completely different. We usually start off the show with some heavy metal or um, hard rock, stuff like that. But today on the show, we have Nick Nolan, who's an expert at metal and rock and all that stuff. But he also is the composer for the Emmy-winning TV series uh, PBS, on PBS Kids called Curious George, and this music is from that. Anyway, let's pick up where we left off with Nick. Can you tell us what your average day is? Like, you get up, and then what? Okay. On the Curious George series, uh-huh. um, it used to be that you'd wake up and there'd be a DVD at the front door, but now they deliver them online. So you wake up and you download the show. I do two shows a week, um, download the show. I watch it through once without any gear turned on. I don't. I didn't want to think about a melody or anything. I would just want to get the whole gist of the show. So the show is done. And, yeah. Yeah, and you're the no, final... No sound effect. No sound effect. So it's all dialogue and animation. Every once in a while, there's a piece of animation missing because they've decided to change it, and uh-huh. they might drop in a, a drawing that's there for a couple seconds. And it has like an arrow that shows he turns around. Or So they're pretty much done, and uh-huh. you get the whole feel. Then I just go back to the front, fire up all the gear... Um, I have a standard setup for the band. It's a Steinway seven-foot grand piano and an upright bass. You actually have a band, a bass player? and Well, I actually play them all. Uh-huh. So it's all sampled. Then the drum that I have set up with brushes, which is most of the show, and then sticks every once in a while when something gets pretty frenetic. So, Nick, you play all these parts? Yes, I do. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought you were pretty good, but I mean... <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I mean, piano, I, like I said, I chose piano just because I thought it was it, it had the right feel. Uh-huh. Oh, and the other instrument is vibes, so there's four instruments total, oh. and it turns out that there's this uh, jazz group I used to listen to that my dad played for me called Modern Jazz Quartet, and it kind of emulates those guys, and uh, that's why I came up with the instruments that I chose. And so I turn on the equipment, and usually start with a piano melody, and um, it depends. The show might start off with George bouncing on his bed, and, and it's some craziness. You have, like, um, one monitor that has the, the show on it, and you're looking at that, looking at the show? Right. I actually set up my Mac to use two monitors, uh-huh. and um, one monitor being the main page of Digital Performer, and then the other monitor. I, I watched the show... That takes up about a quarter of the screen. Uh-huh. And then the mix page of Visual Performer is also there. But I don't need that very much. Because, like I said, with a small band like that, you get it dialed in after the first couple shows. And I view it as a band. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. the same guys every show. Wow. I always call them guys. They, yeah. On the show, they crack up when I say the bass player's doing this or the piano player's doing <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, because you're them all. <laughs> you're <laughs> <laughs> I guess I go into a split personality on yeah. the different parts. So do you set up a click? At this tempo, you see you need a cue for George to, like, jump up and down or something. Right. So if he's jumping up and down, it's typically... <laughs> like that tempo. Uh-huh. And so I'll, I'll put on probably like a... And the first thing I'll do is uh-huh. probably the piano at that point. Because it's, it's going to drive the where the, the melody and the chords are. Yeah. And then drums, and then 
space. Um, so you rewind it and yep. then run over to the drum set. Oh, no, no, no. I haven't sampled. <laughs> oh, they're sampled. All on the keyboard. Oh, good. <laughs> I thought you were actually playing with brushes and stuff like that. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be a hectic day. So then you're playing, you grab a, a MIDI keyboard. It's all on the same keyboard. Oh, on so the... So you take the mouse and scroll it over and, and hit um, the record button that's next to the track that says drums. And then the keyboard fires off all the notes over to one dedicated computer that I have for all of the drum samples. Okay. I hit uh, the lowest C on the keyboard. It does the bass drum. Uh-huh. And then the D next to that is the snare drum hit with the left hand. Then you're, you're sitting at a, a regular keyboard. Right. Yeah. But these are... weighted E. I just want to say for a note here, Nick uses a lot of Roland embossed stuff, and the type of gear Nick is talking about, of course, Roland makes, and you can find out about it at RolandUS.com. So then you, you've you done the piano of George mm-hmm. jumping up and down. Now you go over and go, do da da do da da So yeah, if the piece was I'd set up the computer to route everything over to the drums. And uh-huh. the first thing I would do is probably the hi-hat on every and. Yep. That gives you that double time. And then I would rewind back to the beginning, and I would go to the probably the snare drums. And I would go... Uh-huh. And then I'd rewind, and I'd go to the kick drum, and go... Yeah. And so then, if you get about four bars of that with enough variety, then you can cut and paste that in a row as uh-huh. long as you need to go. And uh, then go over to the bass. And I have a sample bass that has every little articulation that an upright bass could do. Wow. Eight notes and hitting the strings without hitting notes and bending down the notes and sliding up the notes and wow. go through that pretty thoroughly. Because my goal is to make it sound like a group of real people rather than computer score. So you add the little slides and the, mm-hmm. and then you've got the cue. Yeah. Inevitably, George is going to stop bouncing or he's going to fall off the bed or something like that where it takes the music. The music <laughs> has to follow that. In cartoon music, you typically get going for about five to seven seconds before you have to change. So it's very time-consuming. I've watched a couple of the shows. It seems like you're playing throughout the whole show. Yeah. Incredible amount of music. I remember when, on the very first show, um, they were saying that there would probably be about six minutes of score out of the 11, and I think I delivered eight. They all watched it and went through it and said, okay, here's, here's what we'd like to do. We'd like to add music here, 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 and here, and by the time we were done, it was 10. Out of 11 minutes. Wow. Uh, so the shows were coming in somewhere between eight and a half to 10 and a half per show. That would be Monday and Tuesday, and then on Wednesday, another show would show up, and then I'd do that Wednesday and Thursday, and then on Friday, I would make all the changes that they would ask for on those two shows. Does it take all day on Monday, yeah. like eight hours? I would do half a show in about an eight-hour day. And then you finish it on Tuesday, and then you get the new show? Right, and mix it and put it together with the video and upload it to my website so that they can watch it here in Los Angeles and in Boston, our, our co-production, WGBH, out there. How do you deliver the music? Is it on wave files or something? Yeah, so after it's been approved by everybody involved, then I know it's a final mix, and I'll bounce the whole thing down to a 
stereo pair. Oh. And uh, so it's just a stereo track. It's 11 minutes long. And it just runs the whole course of the show. Yeah, even the gaps. There'll be a silence for 30 seconds, and then the music will start. And I send that over to the place where they mix it, and they grab it and throw it into the show and do their thing with it. Nick sent me a wave file of one of the shows, and I think it's the mix of the whole show. Um, and it's titled 404A. It's probably, you know, show 404A. But here it is from the top, and we'll just listen to an excerpt of what Nick was just describing. saw a show where I was just watching a little bit of it this morning on YouTube. It was about George and one of his friends. They were doing worm races. Do you remember that show? Yes, I do. Yeah, and I noticed there was some nice jazz guitar in there. Oh, yeah. So there's one of them that guitar was the yeah. uh, guest instrument. D- does Now, you've been doing the show for, I don't know, four years? Since 2005. 2005, so that's that's almost six years. Are you right now working on the show this week? No. The season's ended, and we're actually waiting to see if we're uh, picked up again for next year. Is that always a thing you're worried about? Is maybe I mean, even though it's an Emmy-winning show, you guys are worried about being <laughs> canceled? Right. Well, yeah. But, of course, you know, having an Emmy uh-huh. kind of Helps. golden ticket, I guess. And so I, I think um, from what I've heard, it's, it's going to go. You were heavily influenced by the Beatles. I kind of think that was an education for you. Oh, yeah. I feel a little bit um, like being that your first band that you're really into, you almost go through the rest of your life saying, when is it ever going to get this good again? You know, if Uh if I were to grow up where my first favorite band was Leaf Garrett or something, (laughs) everything would sound amazing to me from here on. (laughs) (laughs) Now everything sounds slightly disappointing, like, oh, you know, I wish they'd throw in some extra chords every once in a while or, you know, get out of the key of C or, you know, because I'm so used to hearing music that travels. One thing that jumps out at me when I listen to them is all the modal interchanges, you know, like... Norwegian wood in major, and then it just goes to minor for the bridge. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm slightly yeah. spoiled. I mean, I went yeah. from them from them to um, 
Elton John, mm-hmm. and then to Queen. And I just thought that records were supposed to include about 20 instruments on each record, and, <laughs> and have all kinds at least of... four or five different styles of music per record. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, things started started straightening out quite a bit after that era. But then you got into pretty pretty hard rock and, uh, you know, guitar-type shredding. I remember when Ozzy Osbourne was looking for a guitar player, I auditioned for the band, but then I think you got pretty close to getting the gig, actually. Was well, it? the only way I know that is from what you told me, because you were playing with Andy... Andy Taylor. Andy Taylor. From Duran Duran. And I got a call from you, and I think you were at the L.A. Forum after oh. the gig. And you called me up and said um, that you just talked to the drummer and bass player from Ozzy Osbourne. That's and you say, right. How are the auditions going? And they said, well... We oh run across gosh. one guy that we really want to get. <laughs> I totally <laughs> and remember like, that. What? <laughs> I think I went to see Rush, and because I was teaching Rush's sound engineer, this guy Robert Scoville, who's a famous live engineer who's done Def Leppard and all these bands, but I was on the side of the mixing console, and he signaled for me to get up, and he showed me the vocal faders and then Alex Lifeson's guitar faders, and he said, go for it. And then I, he wow. just left. He left. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> and Alex, the forum? Alex, yeah, the for, LA Forum, you know, I don't know, 12,000 people. <laughs> it's a low pressure. No yeah, low deal. pressure. And, and then um, Alex went into a solo. I cranked it, and I remember, I'm kind of on a tangent right now, but I, I cranked it, and I remembered that, you know, I didn't hear the volume at first, but in a big venue like that, it's like a half a second later, all of a sudden, the sound is huge. And wow. uh, Buying a 747, you can turn the wheel and nothing happens. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're in a nosedive. Yeah. So anyway, I was backstage. And um, yeah, I auditioned for Ozzy. So I knew the bass player and drummer. And uh, yeah, I think y- you were auditioning. You were pretty close to the gig, huh? And I, c- I can tell you my experience, the audition experience that it, it is one of my stories that kind of yeah. keeps people up. I think it was the second time I came in. So you come in the first time, and I don't think Ozzy was there. Probably Sharon. And uh-huh. But anyway, I came back for the second one. And um, Ozzy was just, you know, I didn't know what character he was at the time, but it, now he's all over TV, so you see the kind of guy he is, and he's really charming and funny and everything. And so I, I told him I wanted to do Mr. Crowley, and I think I was the only one who wanted to do that because they were all looking at each other like oh you know what key's that in <laughs> and then um so i played the first chord and the whole band hit it and ozzy looked at me like he didn't he didn't know what note so i <laughs> over and sang it and it was here mr crow and he goes oh thanks mate <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> so i wow. thought that was pretty that's funny. a great story yeah so you know i didn't get it but um then when i saw who they got you know zach wild yeah I, oh okay yeah <laughs> Like an animal. Yeah. But I don't know, you would have added that Beatlesque kind of melody, I think, to the the band, which I think, you know, Ozzy's a fan of the Beatles. It's funny how things change, you know? Yeah, how things pan out. You know, I was, in retrospect, I look back at all those experiences and say, oh, there was a path for me, it just wasn't there. And, and all of the arrows were pointing towards uh, writing for television and film. Since this is Boss Tone Radio, do you have any favorite Boss pedals you've used over the years? Oh, yeah. Let's see. One that I go to all the time 
mm-hmm. is the uh, equalizer. I think GE7. Oh, yeah, GE7. The reason I do that, I play a lot of different guitars uh-huh. and a lot of different sounds. So, and I use just a few different amps. And so, if I grab a Strat and put it into my Marshall, I might just keep the EQ flat and then bring up the level mm-hmm. so that it hits the front end of the Marshall harder. And then yeah. if it's too twangy, just pull down one of the knobs. Or uh-huh. So it's a really great pedal um, for tuning in a style or a guitar. So that's probably a go-to. Yeah, I love that pedal. Yeah, and um, then the other one is uh, the chorus pedal. Um, chorus? It's the number five, CE5. CE5. Yeah, and I chose that one. I was in a search, a long search, uh, for a pedal that would give kind of the Leslie speaker effect, right? which I love using. Uh-huh. And I tried a bunch of different companies, and the thing that was nice about that pedal is that the rate would go extra fast compared to others. Uh-huh. Like I wanted it to really spin. Yeah. And so I chose that pedal just for that, although it does the standard chorus sound stuff real nice, too. But, I mean, I still use that pedal... Um, for that sound, one of the things I like to do with my songs um, that are not shredder songs, they are more like Beatles, like yeah. you mentioned. So I'll play the melody of the song for the guitar solo, but I want it to sound really interesting. So I'll put it through that pedal, and I'll play the solo twice and fan them hard right and left. With the chorus on pretty fast? Yeah. I've got it, you know, spinning in and out of tune pretty fast. But when you double track it, then huh. it's, oh, there it is. Nick sent me some excerpts, and pretty sure this is that effect, although it's not in stereo. This is the CE5. I'm crunching words, exact change in verb retention. As of you and me, if I assume. Nick, you may not know there's a new Boss pedal that does uh, rotating speaker simulations really well. It's called the RT20. Has it been out for a while? Yeah, uh, maybe maybe a couple years. Paul McCartney's guitar player had, a, I think, the first one, Rusty Anderson, but or the first one in the U.S. What it it has this really cool display with um, that spins. It's uh, like a little oval light, and there's a blue light and a red light, and the blue light spins for the... I think, doesn't the horn spin the opposite way as the box underneath in a, in a traditional right. rotary? and you can set them at different speeds, too. Yeah, on the yeah and this pedal. has two pedals. The right pedal is the speed, and the left pedal turns it on and off. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I got to show you that one. Yeah, so I'll just keep going. Um, knowing that you were calling, I opened up the closet and pulled them all out just to make sure I knew which ones I had because I have so many. Uh, the chromatic tuner on the floor. Oh, the TU2? The TU2. Yeah. Indispensable. We have a new one, the TU3, that's even uh, later technology. But Oh, okay. Um, TU12H? Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know when I got that, probably 1990 or something, but yeah. still works. Yeah, Boss has a new line of tuners but um yeah the old ones just keep on working and they're great yeah i have um i have some really old pedals you know with a uh, different kind of knobs on them like my octaver pedal uh-huh. has the knobs that are bigger and a more of a metallic center on them right my compression pedal the cs2 is that way the octaver is that 
let's see, OC2? Yeah. Yeah, we have the OC3 now and this, uh, or CS3 compressor. Yeah, those old ones still work, right? Yeah, yeah, they, they work great. Um, got the tremolo pedal. TR2? TN2. Tremolo pan. Yeah, now, now we make the TR2. Yep, I love that one. And um, the volume pedals, I've got both of those, the H and the L. Oh, FV500? Yeah, and I have a big piece of tape on the bottom of each one that says, this one goes before in the pedal chain, and this one goes <laughs> in the rack chain, because I yeah. never remember. Yeah, the H is <laughs> high impedance. Yeah, that still doesn't help me. Yeah. <laughs> but- even the colors are different, and I'm thinking, how can that relate? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, duct tape on the bottom works much better. So, I mean, I've got, I've got even more of them, but um, the other thing that I really liked is the PMA-5. Oh, it's a Roland. I had one of those. Yeah. We used to use them at GIT for oh, yeah. teaching. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's basically a rhythm machine with bass and drums and, you know, keyboards. Yeah, and, and you put in chord progressions and say, play this as a jazz swing or play this as a blues. and. It's great. It was so great for doing that and uh, playing together with two guitar players because for me, it's it's always been tough to, not tough, but I get tired of it real quick when I just play guitar without anything else. Right. It's always about having a song going behind it, and uh, that was the answer to that. Now Boss has three different drum machines with bass. Then we got this new box called the E-Band. It's a jam station with... Um, hundreds of different grooves and backing tracks in it, and you can put your own backing tracks in it. They're wave files, and you can time stretch them, and there's built-in guitar effects, and it's got two speakers, but you can plug it in. Wow. <laughs> it's really, really cool. Yeah, uh, I've got to get into the new the new technology here. Yeah, I wish I had that stuff when we were learning. Yeah. Imagine how good we'd be. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, maybe there would be too many video games to distract us and we'd never really learn how to play that game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You've been a successful composer for a while. Um, have you done anything extravagant, like, you know, bought a Bentley or a <laughs> place in the Bahamas or something like that? Or um, I bought some a- guitars. Yeah, I got a 64 Strat that looks about three months old. That's a good investment, too. Yeah, I was thinking so. Uh-huh. Um, and the uh, 59 ES335, that's in the same shape. Wow, 1959? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any advice for um, guys who want to get into TV-type composing? I would say that if you're the kind of person who, when listening to music, is curious about every aspect of it, what the drummer's doing, what kind of drums they are, what kind of a bass sound it is, and uh-huh. and what kind of a chord progression it is, and wow, that chord's really different. Let me get out my guitar and figure out what that is. Uh-huh. You're probably along the lines of a person who would do well writing that in, in television uh-huh. because it, the variety is endless. Uh-huh. And that's what I love about it so much is you can be doing a hip-hop song one day and you can be doing jazz the next and you can do... Uh, orchestrated stuff the next day. So if you love all that variety, that's probably the field you want to consider. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, sure. It's been a blast. Better look out, because Toots is in town. I'm in your nose. Achoo, he's in your nose. I'm in your nose. Oh, yeah, he's in your nose. 
I'll make you stiff and I'll make you sneeze You won't be smelling that smelly cheese Down to your belly Down to your belly Look out, he's in your belly This segment I really focused on Nick's TV composition stuff and uh, the first segment you can hear he's a quite a shredmeister guitar player so special thanks to Nick Nolan for coming on the show thanks to you for listening to Boss Tone Radio and using really cool boss gear along with your guitar and other instruments see you later when I'm head to your lungs. Hey, shoots, where you going to the lungs. oh yeah he's in your lungs well I'll be making you wheeze and cough you better take the heart